0: You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I can edit that out now.
1: <laughs> oh, man. For those of you who couldn't hear, <laughs> there is a Rocky Mountain barking spider in Travis's condo. <laughs>
0: And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, Brazilian Tie. It is coming up November 22nd at the Grey Cup. To and out live. You can grab your tickets to and out live dot ca. We're raising money for uh, CFL fans fight cancer. We hope to pr- present them with a nice check on the Saturday of uh, Grey Cup. Tickets are ten bucks all in. There's no extra fees or anything like that. So grab your tickets for two and out live. We hope to have some guests. We hope to have some fun on
1: stage. What should I wear? Um, I, I'm going to be wearing black because it's slimming. So I mean. It's probably not the worst idea in the world. I'm wearing black right now. Yeah, actually, I am too. I'm wearing my uh, Eskimo Empire podcast T-shirt that I slept. It's in. only
0: covering about one fifth. It's only covering about one fifth of my body,
1: but oh, so you're wearing socks?
0: Oh, I'm wearing white socks and black underwear, and that's it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not even summer, and it's like you can't you can't even like say it's too hot. Dude, I went to a baby shower today. It was hot
0: there. <laughs> <sighs> One of the ladies that showed up showed up with a, a pair of twins. They're four years old.
1: Yep. Yeah, nope. I would. I would have left. I would have left. Here's the thing. I
0: have a mentality of a child, so the children gravitate towards me. Uh huh. So we were popping balloons left and right, having <laughs> wrestling matches. It was great.
1: <laughs> so you're, ba- you're basically ruining everybody else's time. Exactly.
0: Join 2-and-out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em. And show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click CFLFantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And Pick'em.cfl.ca. All right, the first game of the week. Had a lot going on. Calgary could have clinched first for the West. And uh, a playoff spot was on the line for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers if they wanted it to be figured out by the time Week 21 rolled around. And Winnipeg just took this game over. They beat Calgary 29-21. Matt Nichols... Is now playing his best football that we've seen him play in a long time. He goes twenty four for thirty three, three hundred and fifty eight yards, two touchdowns. What is going on with the Calgary defense, man?
1: Uh, I have no idea. It's not like they've had uh, like they've had a turnover, but it it hasn't been huge. Uh, a lot of the principal players are still there. Uh, they haven't spent an inordinate amount of time on the field other than lately. So that it just seems strange. Um you know, and Matt Nichols was able to take advantage of the, any mistakes they made. They've been missing tackles a lot lately. Uh you know, and they put up three hundred and fifty eight yards and two touchdowns on this defense. Uh I, mean, I, I didn't know if we'd see that or you know who would be able to do that. And Matt Nichols definitely wasn't on the top of that list of guys who, you know, I would have thought could do it. Well, Calaro's threw for over 300
0: yards against them as
1: well. So, Yeah, he's uh, like right it, below Matt Nichols <laughs> on that list.
0: <laughs> it's a lot different than five months ago. In July, we are talking about the historic pace that the Stampeder defense is on as far mm-hmm. as allowing points. And it has completely, completely flipped. One of your favorite sayings is a regression to the mean. And I think that is what we have seen here. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we've seen that with the Bomber defense enforcing turnovers, though, because they did exactly that
1: again. Uh, yeah, and at some point it's going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> it could be the Great cop by the time it does stop, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it just they. They have guys that, you know, go to the football. Uh, they're not necessarily going to make a play as soon as you get it, but there's going to be four guys there, uh, you know, to make a play on that ball or to try to strip it. Uh, it's just – it's <laughs> – it, it's uncanny how the def- how this defense keeps doing this. And, and I, I don't understand it because, you know, Richie Hall, you know, this isn't exactly – what we've seen from his defenses in the past until he got to Winnipeg it seems so uh at some point it is going to stop i'm going to stop saying that you know it's going to be it's got to be this week right uh i don't know if it'll stop cold turkey but it's going to slow down i i don't know when
0: you know what i'm thinking we may be watching the MOP and Adam Big Hill
1: um, uh, if a- not if not MOP definitely uh defensive Player of the year. Well, it's
0: between him and Willie, and it's kind of a shame that it has to be an East and a Western nominee because yeah, you know that it's going to be Big Hill or Jefferson.
1: Yeah, and I, like they talk about, you talk about Alex Singleton, and you know he has so many tackles, but look at the actual defensive plays that guys like Big Hill. And Willie Jefferson are actually in on whether it's you know pass knockdowns, pass interceptions, fumbles, whether it's recovered or forced. Uh, they they just seem to be involved a lot in a lot more of those plays, which I think are more important than just than just tackles.
0: I am really interested in the battle for most outstanding Canadian. I mean, uh, it's Sinopoly, it's Lewis Ward, it's Andrew Harris, and yeah, it is Alex Singleton who had himself eight tackles in this one. He is all over the field, and you know what? I think there's a good candidate right there to be a guy that goes to the National Football League, and we saw Brian Peters, uh, a linebacker for the Riders a few years ago, uh, he's carved himself out a uh, nice career in the NFL. I think he's a special teams captain now. And Singleton has what it takes to be in that role. I think he is an absolute monster.
1: Yeah, uh, last year in 123 tackles, uh, this year a little bit lower, only at 115. But, I mean, they still got a game left. Uh, as he's just been the picture of consistency uh, the last two years. I mean, his rookie year wasn't uh as big but i mean you're getting used to the to the league uh and it, you know if he keeps these numbers up he's gonna be if he doesn't go to the nfl he's gonna go down as one of the best middle linebackers that uh has played in the cfl
0: but seriously can the MOP mm. be a quarterback this year mike riley uh, I, I don't it think can't, can it can't it be mike
1: riley now
0: Who's not in the playoffs, so I, I really don't think you can give it to him. And the way, we'll get to the Hamilton-Ottawa game, but the way Mazzoli looked against Ottawa without Brian, Brandon Banks, and Bo has been struggling because, and it probably is in good part because of the receiving core, and not that there are bad receivers. There are Eric Rogers. there's Chris Matthews. There's some talent there, but they haven't had the reps that uh, the DeVaris Daniels and the Kamar Jordans and even the uh, Mark and Michelle's have had, so it, it's hurt the Calgary offense. I think it might be a defensive player or a running back or something like that. That and that's why I make the suggestion that, I mean, if Adam Big Hill wins defensive MOP or MOP, he could he could win them both, and <laughs> he's having himself a year. It's really fun to watch.
1: Yeah. It. It, it's super fun to watch. Uh, you know, whenever you're watching Winnipeg that he's going to be in the middle of everything. And there's always a, a chance that a huge play is going to be coming for that defense. Uh, as, as for quarterbacks, you know, Bo is going to have over 5,000 yards, uh, depending on, like, he only needs 154 this week or in week next week to, to get that. He's thrown 34 touchdowns, which is, you know, leading that stat by five. He's only thrown 14 picks. Uh, you know, he averages 8.8 yards. Like, he's probably your best bet at quarterback. I know Trevor, Trevor Harris has more yards, uh, but he's only got 22 touchdowns to 11 picks. It's, it's just, you know, uh, 22 picks – or, twenty? sorry, 22 touchdowns in, in 18 games. I, I That's not my – That's I, I don't think that that's good enough. Uh, Masoli just has too many picks. Mike Riley just you – know, not in the playoffs. I don't think you can win MOP. Uh, I – I don't know what to do with this award because like it's got, it's <laughs> going to be a running back or it's, it's not it can't be a quarterback this year and, and that just leaves the door wide open for so many other options.
0: Oh yeah, and uh you know some positions get more attention than others. I mean basically anybody who touches the ball more so mm. it, some it's very rare for a defensive guy to do it. I know Solomon L. Mimian did it and maybe we see his old Team 100 partner do it uh, in November. Bo didn't have a bad game here. 22 of 35, he had 274 yards and a touchdown. Lamar Durant had 60 yards. Chris Matthews had 113 yards. As far as the Bombers go, Darvin Adams had 126 yards. Uh, Nick Dembski had 60 receiving yards. He had 21 yards. I mean, the Bombers... They, they really played well, and it didn't take them until the third quarter to take over. What blows my mind is that the fog comes in, and then the offense has really picked up. It was, uh, it was 12-6 at halftime, and then the Bombers put up 20 points in the third quarter mm-hmm. once it got foggy.
1: <laughs> no, that, that was just cannon smoke, though. That wasn't the fog, right? Well, that's what Derek Dennis said. I read that. And that and I just I had to turn my phone off. I'm like, okay, I, it's time for me to go to bed.
0: That's the conspiracy theory that yeah,
1: that's there the dumbest were cannons thing going heard. off. That's what like. It's so dumb.
0: Why would they put these cannons off? I don't think they had a touchdown by the time that the fog. Ro- but anyway, this <laughs> game was getting pretty tough to watch. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I do not know how that. Uh, the offenses were able to throw deep when there was that much fog in the stadium.
1: On a, like on a wing and a prayer, you're just throwing it up and just hoping that your guy finds it before the DB does. Uh, it was hard to see the ball on TV. I, I couldn't imagine being in the stadium. And
0: that's what Canadian football is all about, especially this time of year. You know, Playing in the elements, uh, I love it. We saw more elements on Saturday yeah. as well. It's not like this one was mm-hmm. the worst game to play in. But... It came down to a play in the fourth quarter and my fantasy team took a bit of a hit because of this play. <laughs> you really but needed that to be Samp- a catch,
1: didn't you?
0: <laughs> well, I had Bo and Eric Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> Are you
1: kidding me? <laughs> Don't worry. You, did, you probably did way better than I did.
0: I, I had a rough week uh, myself. I kind of fizzled out as the season comes by. I crumbled after Labor Day. But... Uh, the stamps are up by you know ten, or they're down by ten, and there's a few minutes left in the game, uh, and it was third down. So th- th- that's that's the situation too. They're down ten. We know that uh, Jason Moss would have kicked a field goal about twenty five yards ago and a couple downs ago, but instead of going for the field goal and taking the points and getting the ball back, they went for the touchdown and Eric Rodgers looked to me like he had a touchdown went down and the ball was stripped and and you know what Ro- watching it at you know game speed i could see why the official thought that Rodgers maybe was uh you know uh fumbling the ball uh, a little bit and uh kind of you know knocking it around as he was going down but I mean, everything looks completely different in slow motion, including something else we'll get to later in the show. But that looked like a touchdown to me, and they reviewed it and everything, and the play stood, and it was a turnover on downs, and the game was essentially over for the Stampeders and the season for the Eskimos.
1: To quote Dave Chappelle, I played the fifth. Because I I want nothing to do with this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I am gonna I am gonna piss some people off. I'm sure of it, which is nothing new. Um, okay, if that's nothing new, then what are you <laughs> thinking? Is that a touchdown or not? Uh, no, I don't think it is. And because I, I don't care if you think he had control across the plane. It's, he hasn't completed that catch yet you have to come down and and you know make the catch same thing happens if he's going into the end zone making that catch and comes down and that ball comes loose it's not a catch
0: so it, to me it looked like he was down enough elbow down laying down and then the ball got stripped
1: it was reviewed they they said it was no touchdown so i mean there, well here's no the thing if, now, it was, if the if the ref called it a touchdown then it'd it would be have hard stood to overturn it would be really hard to overturn yeah um that being said, we're probably going to have Monday morning something come out saying that they messed that call up. And I don't like when they do that. I think it looks really bad, and they do it in the NBA too with the pool report. The last three minutes of the game is always is always under review by the by by the head office, and they come out and they say, "Oh no, the Raptors should have won this game," or you know, there should have been a foul on this play against in the Golden State. Chicago game or whatever, it doesn't matter. And but it does nothing except infuriate an entire organization and their fan base because, it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you screwed us and you're admitting it. I'd rather just be blind. I, I I don't like when they come
0: out and apologize. I hope they don't do it, <laughs> yeah. but
1: I, the one thing I do like is now we get we got to see that you know it was a close play, so it didn't it didn't need the official to call a touchdown to get automatically reviewed. It was going to be automatically reviewed. It was one of those which we talked about earlier in the year, which was how are we going to decide what's yeah. considered a you know potential scoring play? Well, this is that. So, I mean, it's not like the team had to waste their challenge like another team did this week. Uh, and I, I think you're right, though. No matter what the call was on the field, that call was going to stand. I don't think it was confirmed. I think it stands.
0: Well, uh, I think that confirms that the Stamps probably should have taken the field goal.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure Esks fans love that.
0: Uh, we go to the next game where ottawa smashed hamilton 30 to 13 they just looked like a team on a mission they wanted first place in the east and they got first place in the east and they did it without william powell they decided to give him a rest they said he was healthy Mm -hmm. Moses Madhu got the ball and he didn't do anything on the ground. 11 for 26. So less than two and a half yards a carry. Uh, Trevor Harris, he, I mean, he threw for three touchdowns, 23 for 30. And Dominic Davis had one pass for 55 yards and a touchdown. The 158.3 quarterback rating. <laughs> But that was a beautiful play, and that might have been the best play we've seen from Dominic Davis. Yeah. You know,
1: uh, <laughs> it was ever. Really the only play, it's really the only play we've seen from Dominic Davis, let's be honest.
0: Yeah, when you go for the, the, the sneak and he drops back and makes that throw, oh, they caught the tie yeah. Cats off guard, and it was just a, a beautiful play.
1: Speaking of quarterback play, um, you were talking about Matt Nichols last game. He was the weak leader for fantasy points. 22 22.8. Matt, Matt Nichols. Matt the Calgary Nichols. Let that, let that sink in that Matt Nichols was the fantasy points leader for the week. Wow. But we digress.
0: Deontay Spencer was all <laughs> over the field, uh, 116 <laughs> yards, two touchdowns, and, man, he was moving the ball on returns as well. <laughs> he had himself 130 punt return yards. And did the Ticats Cats not have a kickoff in this game? They did not. No. So th- that shows <laughs> how well that the Red Blacks really handled Hamilton in this one. Brad Sinopoli sets the record for uh, receptions by Canadian receiver in a single season: seven catches for fifty-six yards—an unbelievable season. For Brad Sinopoli, and it's it's good that this is going to a guy actually born in Canada.
1: <laughs> oh, now we're getting into semantics, Te- technicalities.
0: <laughs> oh, the, the the Canadian rules can be a little little screwy uh, mm-hmm. here. But Cahun was not born in Canada, was he? Was he? He was born in Utah. He went to he was well, born and of course, he went. Utah. To-
1: and he went to BYU, shocker.
0: <laughs> so uh, I'm happy that uh, Brad Sinopoli gets the record. Not bad for an old quarterback.
1: Yeah. Um I remember when he was in <laughs> when he was in Calgary and you know watching watching like football before, like when we were teenagers and before we started doing this when we were younger um you know it would always be brought up that he was a former quarterback and I was like, "Well, why would he want to be a receiver?" Like all the all the accolades and everything go to the quarterback and you know, it it's the quarterback that wins the game it, it, he gets all the praise um but then he goes out and does what he does with or what he's done with <laughs> with the red blacks the last number of years it's like yeah okay that makes sense cuz you know he he is arguably one of the best Canadian receivers that we've seen in a long time uh and you know now he's he's not stuck behind uh you know guys like like he was stuck behind in calgary whether it be henry burris or if he was still there now it'd be you know Bo. so i mean he gets to play and he gets regular playing time he's a star on that team and you know it just goes to show that you know you don't necessarily have to have to be pigeonholed and in, into a role you, you can adjust and you know he's he's an athlete and i, I hate using that because buck martinez does it all the time on blue jays games <laughs> oh, oh this guy's a ball player yeah no doubt buck he plays baseball thanks um <laughs> but to be able to to have the skill set to do both those positions is pretty remarkable.
0: Lewis Ward keeps the streak alive with a 33-yard field goal, and it's impressive because the the wind was blowing at Tim Mm -hmm. Hortons' field in this one, and it's got to be talked about. Trevor Harris struggled at times this season, and I know that Red Blacks fans were wanting Dom Davis to come in and take over in certain games, but Harris finishes the season strong, and... I'm wondering, well, I'm hoping he's earned himself another contract, but uh, I'm wondering if Ottawa's w- wishing they would have given him more than one year at this point, because uh, <laughs> we'll get to it later in the show, I think there might be a green team out west maybe a couple green teams out West looking for a new quarterback this off season. So maybe that one year deal did work
1: out for Harris in this case. <laughs> I I love it when guys bet on themselves like that. Uh, <laughs> well, they, I don't it, know if he did, if that was the only choice he had, but well, I, I think there, that might have had something to do with it too. At the same time, he might've said uh, with the CBA, we've talked about it lots with the CBA, what it is right now, uh, you know, to, to be able to wait and see what is gonna happen with that you know if if you if you're not under contract then you can you can go and and search for other options if something happens with that CBA negotiation which we don't know um, but there's just so many guys that are free agents right now that I don't think Trevor Harris will exactly be top of the line or front of the line but I mean he's gonna be you know a guy Making that is going, value out of him. He, he is going to be coveted by by teams that if if these guys don't resign with the teams they're at now, that you know he isn't, he's he's not necessarily he's not necessarily going to be the top prize. And I don't want to call him a consolation prize, but I mean, I, I don't know if he would be the number one pick on a lot of guys or for a lot of GMs. But I know that he that they wouldn't be upset if they got Trevor Harris. He might just go under the
0: radar a little bit. With, uh, you know, Bo and Riley possibly hitting mm-hmm. the market. And maybe that's being overstated and nothing crazy does happen in the off season. Yeah, but, we're, we're uh, just
1: hoping for chaos, really. Yeah,
0: because <laughs> some people just want to watch the world burn. Uh, <laughs> Present <quickly>. company included. <laughs> quickly on Hamilton. Wow. They are just completely broken without Brandon Banks. They're, I yeah. don't know if there's really anything else to... Mm -mm. To say there. Um,
1: It it, It changes the entire offensive scheme.
0: Yep. It it is clear that Tasker was finding room in the secondary because of Brandon Banks. And they just don't have the. Mazzoli does not have the chemistry with the rest of the receivers. I mean, uh, Justin Buren, the rookie, he had one catch on seven targets. Marquay McDaniel had four catches on nine targets. Um, Terrell Sinkfield, he had six catches for 55 yards. This is not the Sinkfield that uh, I mean he's been playing DB in the NFL Mm -hmm. for a few years so it's going to take him some time to get back up to speed but the leading receiver here is Mike Jones with 56 yards on six catches so man, without Brandon Banks this team really, really changes and you know what? Next week's game against Montreal means absolutely zero, but I almost think they're going to have to play the starters to try and get this offense in some sort of sync to get ready for the playoffs. And normally, I hate the team that goes to the East for the crossover. I don't like their chances. Winning two in a row on the road, the Ottawa game is definitely going to be tough. It's never would been take done. I my chances. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'd I take my chances in the eastern semifinal over the western semifinal at this point.
1: Hundred percent. And that's what BC's
0: gonna get. That's what uh, BC's gonna get.
1: It it's never a good time for injuries, like let let's be honest. Uh but you know, yeah. other times are worse. Nice. I heard that through the phone. Um <laughs> I can edit that out now. <laughs> oh, man. For those of you who couldn't hear, <laughs> there's a Rocky Mountain barking spider in Travis's condo. Um, you know, sometimes times are way worse for injuries than others. And Brandon Banks, like, they couldn't have asked for a worse time for Banks to get injured no. coming into a back to back. Or, you know, during a back-to-back with Ottawa, uh, and, you know, it, it's basically, it changed their entire offensive scheme, their entire dynamic on offense. Uh, and, you know, like, like you said, and I, I completely agree that they have to play uh, that entire, the starters have to play that entire game next week because they need all the time they can get uh, to try to figure this out. I mean, you got guys like Sinkfield and Beeren in there now who who haven't who have played limited time. Uh, Mike Jones hasn't been a huge part of this offense except for the last couple of games, last couple of weeks. Uh, and you know, Luke Tasker is your new number one, and he's he's no Brandon Banks. It's no slight on Luke Tasker, but he's he's not Brandon Banks. So they they got a lot of work to do here in the next two weeks. And if I'm a betting man, and you know I am, uh, I'm taking BC in that East semi. I like that Anthony Chaffee
0: on uh, Ottawa as well. He was getting in Tasker's face. That was was Mm
1: -hmm. smash-mouth football. I'm sure Ottawa Uh, fans really enjoy the penalties too.
0: (laughs) I, I don't think Tasker wants to go against Chaffee in the Eastern final. Hamilton saving grace is the way BC has played on the road this season. And mm-hmm. we're going to talk about BC in the next game after we say a thank you to ATB Financial. And they've got a podcast, We Are Alberta, hosted by ATB economist Nick Ford. It just started in September, and the next episode's coming out November 13th. Um, the, f- the first few episodes talking about the legalization of marijuana, Alberta's changing energy sector Nick Ford, smart, smart guy. So take a listen to this podcast. ATB.com slash WeAreAlberta. It is ATB.com slash WeAreAlberta. So BC goes to Saskatchewan, and I think a lot of people are expecting this game to be a a bit closer than it was. And the Riders, they took it to the Lions. 35-16, they now sit... First placed in the Western Division, but it's gonna come down to the Calgary B C game at the end of the season. Uh the Lions were just dominated. Um on the offensive side of the ball. They could get nothing going. The riders controlled the line of scrimmage and they controlled field position. The rider mm-hmm. offense literally they didn't have to do anything. Because And they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> BC was they were kicking from you know their ten yard line and back. They were on their heels right mm. from the start, and uh, I think maybe the end of the game there was when I, I thought it was a strange decision for Wally taking the uh, the safety in the third quarter. And I think the BC defense ended up coming up with a stop there, but. Your punter, Ty Long, has probably got the biggest leg in the league on punts, and I, I thought he should have taken the chance there. But, I mean, <laughs> the, the BC offense had nothing going, and the Rider defensive line and offensive line just controlled this game
1: right from the start. And we saw it, especially in that fourth quarter. I mean, Cameron Marshall racked up 134 rushing yards on 19 carries. Uh, when and he you know didn't it,
0: start the game,
1: <laughs> no. When you know a team is going to run, and they run between the tackles, and you can't stop them, that is demoralizing as yep. a defense. And Cameron Marshall ran all over them. Uh, Herdman got he got punished in that in that middle middle linebacker spot. He he couldn't make make the stops when he needed to either. Uh, so they, they they really miss Solomon Alamimian there, and he's probably done for the year. Uh, I'm not saying Herdman's not he, – I mean, he's going to be a great player in this league, I think. But, I mean, at it's some point – second like, year, yeah. Exactly, right? Like, But the Riders, they just said, we're going to run the ball until you can stop us, and BC never stopped them because uh, you look at the stats, the Riders definitely didn't throw the ball. So, I mean, Trey Mason finally you – know, seven, seven carries, 28 yards on a huge night, had the touchdown – uh you know two another two huge defensive uh touchdowns for the riders which which basically won them this game so i mean i yeah if if you can control the line of scrimmage it's really hard to lose a football game uh and you know like they didn't give bc anything uh, in the trenches which was which was a nice change from you know what we've seen from what we've seen lately uh before these last couple of weeks where the, the O-line just seemed to be in a little bit of disarray, but everything seems to be uh, chugging along now and they, they're able to shut down a lot of pass rush uh, with the current uh, personnel they have in there and their, their setup.
0: Tyrell Sutton ran hard. He had 12 carries for uh, 50 yards, but, um, when the Lions fell behind, they couldn't continue to pound the rock mm-hmm. uh, against the Rider defense, so they had to kind of uh, change it up there a little bit. And I'm just a fan of Tyrell Sutton. I mean, Cam Judge hit him in the first drive of the game, and oh, it, it it looked like he tried to stand in the way of a bull, and he, he had to leave the he had to leave the field. Uh, it for, knocked his uh, chin uh, strap off. There. It did. <laughs> I, I don't want to stand in the way of Tyrell Sutton. And this is why Great I mentioned name, Willie Jefferson. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the reason I mentioned Willie Jefferson in the MOP conversation, well, he has to be Saskatchewan's nominee. I, I don't think there's a there's a question about that at all. Um but he was involved in both of the defensive touchdowns in this mm-hmm. one. His, his arms are about eight feet long, so when he when he throws them up in the air for a quarterback, it's pretty tough to miss them. So the interception, I think Agüavín made the made the catch. Antigua, there's oh Antigua made the interception there. Agüavín, well yep. no Ed Gainey had a had a mm-hmm. wow. This defense so, is just full of playmakers. Yeah. So <laughs> the,
1: the play the play before that, Antigua almost picked him off on a pass to Shakir Ryan. It went, like, basically through his hands. The next play, Willie Jefferson got his hands up, got it tipped, and Antigua came in and and got the pick in the middle of the field. So, I mean, two. And then in the second
0: half, Willie strips Lule of the ball, and Zach Evans recovers it for a touchdown. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And Ed Gainey, another playmaker. He he had an interception return for a touchdown. And how about that hit S- separating the receiver from the ball? It was, mm-hmm. I believe, Anthony Parker, and one hundred percent clean.
1: Yep. Oh yeah, I no, I have no qualms with that hit at all. That was a textbook hit. He avoided the
0: he avoided the head, and it was just a beautiful hit. I don't know if he hurt the mm-hmm. ribs of Parker or something like that, but. I think we'd all rather hurt our ribs than maybe our head. And Zach Calero's... Nice
1: nice segue.
0: (laughs) It's possible that he has another concussion here. Uh, He ran wide. He kind of put himself in a bad situation. And you know what? Mm -hmm. It almost looks exactly the same as the play is when Willis smashed him when he was with Hamilton. So Odell... (sighs) <sighs> I love Odell, uh, and let's face it, some defensive linemen and D-linemen that have been around the league for a long time, these guys, they want to hurt the quarterback.
1: <laughs> that, that's their—that's literally their job.
0: <laughs> it's what they want to do, and uh, that's what he did here. He put his head down, uh, helmet-to-helmet contact with Caleros, uh Kalaros, and then Kolaros his head hit the ground as well and mm-hmm. there is so much to talk about on this single play now when you watch it full speed it's a very bang bang play
1: but you could hear it
0: yeah but when you put it in slow motion it looks like one of the most vicious things you've ever mm-hmm. seen yeah. um th- the officials were they were calling this like a playoff game they were letting the guys play I think there were some holds and you know some mm-hmm. interferences that w- were not called, and I'm fine with that. I really am. But last year, <laughs> you tap the quarterback on the head. Literally, you've seen it with with the hand on the head, and then it gets called. Mm-hmm. And I, I I know Eskimo fans are saying, "You Ryder fans, shut up." This happens to us every week with our quarterback. But, I mean. Andre, I love him. He was standing right there. It, it didn't get called. And then I think Jones was mostly mad because he had to throw the challenge flag in the first quarter. And yeah. he, I, I'm shocked. He's only challenged four or five plays this year. So he had to throw the challenge flag, and it gets overturned. Now, the hit happened. The challenge was made, 15 yards. The, the, the thing that I have the problem with, is that Kolaros is
1: able to finish the drive. I have a huge problem with that. I have a huge problem with that. Exactly. I got a, I got Wh- a couple why? things on this hit. Yeah, that's, that's stupid. Absolutely asinine that he stayed in this football game for as long as he did. So what is the head referee's job on an offensive play?
0: Watch the quarterback.
1: That's That is his job. That is the only person he needs to worry about is watching that quarterback. Once the ball is gone and the quarterback isn't knocked over, then you can move on. Um, so I don't understand how Andre Prue misses. I, unlike you, I love Andre Prue, but holy ah! f- this looks terrible. It, it's right in front of you. No reason that it shouldn't be called. Um, I, and I, I and just think p- it's
0: worse that the spotters yeah, let okay, him stay so, in because Caleros is so, struggling. He took a knee, he squatted down, it was... He was clearly
1: yep. hurt. So that is what I have a problem with the spotters. They are useless. As far as I'm concerned, you do not need them. If a player, if, if, they if it exist? is roughing, if it is roughing <laughs> the passer, if it is roughing the passer due to a headshot, how is that not automatically put into concussion protocol? You saw, know. you saw him get hit in the head and you see his head bounce off the turf. Are you not worried? Give me a, We're going to talk about player safety, but yet you watch a guy fall down, land on his face, pretty much not being able to put his hands out because he's probably concussed. And then Chris Jones comes out and says it's precautionary. Well, yeah, no doubt. Um, If you're going to make that penalty call as 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 roughing the passer because of that head contact, that is an automatic. You're going to the dark room. That that's an automatic pull for me. That it's a joke that he got to stay in the game. I know that the writer scored a touchdown. Still a joke because. As far as I'm concerned, a player's mental health is way more important than a win. We don't need these guys, uh, you know, developing severe mental issues further down the line. Because what kind of quality of life is that? If they're gonna have spotters, the spotters are gonna start doing their job. Because this is a joke,
0: and this might be his what third concussion within a year. That that mm-hmm. that's not a good spot to nope. be in. And even after the hit, though. Like, he was
1: clearly struggling. Yeah, he bent over a couple times and, and you know, trying to re- regain his composure a little bit, maybe, and try to, you know, get some of the cobwebs out. But as far as I'm concerned, none of that stuff matters. He should have been pulled the minute that they made that call. Because it, it, you called it because of head contact. Well, if there's, head, if there's helmet-to-helmet contact, and people are saying, well, you know, it was, I read a report on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, it was more... That he hit the jaw, not the helmet. I'm like, that's even more of a reason. There's no protection on the jaw other than a little piece of plastic. Um, if, yeah. if you're going to call a guy... If you're, if you're going to call a penalty on a guy, hitting... Going with a headshot for roughing the passer, helmet-to-helmet helmet contact, how are you not pulling? You could pull both of them out for concussion protocol as far as I'm concerned. But, I mean, the guy who, who, who took... When Kolaros gets hit like that, and you see him fall like he did, and smash his head off the turf again, so he takes two blows to the head in the span of a second, do your job and get him out of the game. Because like, what what if he gets hit on the next play and he's knocked unconscious? How stupid do you look? Like it's such a bad look to let him keep playing, and and you got like, and I understand Matt Dunnigan saying that they need to pull him out. Right away on the on the panel. But then Davis Sanchez saying that, well, he's not showing any signs. It's like he he shouldn't have to show signs. They they should be more concerned about the blow to the head he took, not what he looks like. They need to check him out regardless as far as I'm concerned. I think it's an absolute joke that he got to stay in this game because it could have been a hell of a lot worse for Zach.
0: So Caleros, uh leaves the game. They say it's precautionary, but... I'm I don't mind They're just saying that uh, we don't know how he's feeling this morning or you know tomorrow morning, uh, and they do have a bye week, so maybe that's this last week of the season bye for the Riders is a bit a bit of a blessing because they also lose Trey Mason, who actually had a really nice touchdown run in this one. He had seven carries for twenty eight yards, and then Cam Marshall was able to come in and take over the game, nineteen carries for one hundred and thirty four yards. So. You know, it's almost good that they were resting Fig Pen here. We don't know how uh, serious Trey Mason's injury is, but they've still got Marshall and Figpen Pen here. Um, the the game was just dominated from the Riders right from the, the get-go. I mean, Jones was moving around, Hughes and Jefferson, putting them inside against the guards. I mean, Hughes looks like he could have played a defensive tackle, never mind defensive end. It was just... It was a, a wild performance and uh, a fall back to earth a little bit for the Lions here because, I mean, they went into Calgary and won, and you're thinking, hey, is this team's road issues over? But uh, apparently not. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Brian Burnham, that was the only nice play. There was a Mm 44-yard touchdown pass to Brian Burnham on uh, Luchez Purifoy, who had a rough start. That seemed to really spark him, though. (laughs) (laughs) He's playing his old team. He fumbles the ball on the kickoff return in the second half. He gets burned on the touchdown to Burnham. Oh, that was (laughs) so bad. But then he comes back. And then he comes back and has himself a nice kickoff return after that. Um I guess it should be mentioned. Maybe it's time Brandon Bridge goes the way that Brad Sinopoli did.
1: <laughs> uh, the guy's
0: an athlete. You, you yeah. can't deny that. But but right now
1: we kind of need him to play quarterback.
0: Yeah, they might need him to play that. I, I I'd say just get Nick R- Marshall the reps. <laughs> really need,
1: really need, really need BC to beat Calgary to get two bye weeks, and maybe Kalaros will be better by then.
0: this is how much the riders trust brandon bridge the first 12 plays 10 rushing plays
1: yeah so uh he went four for nine for 44 yards
0: well i mean when he throws a three-yard pass he throws it 100 miles an hour and three feet over your head so
1: yeah basically nolan ryan (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah, maybe he could be the ace, the closer for the Blue Jays next year.
1: Um, uh, yeah, because that's <laughs> the only problem with the Blue Jays.
0: <laughs> so the Riders win. Uh, they clinch a home playoff game. Winnipeg is third. BC is fourth. The only thing to figure out is Calgary playing BC Saturday night. And while well, Calgary's got a lot to play for, I kind of wonder what the Lions are going to do. They have played well at home. And it's Wally's last ever game at BC Place. Now, does that mean something to Wally Buono? It might mean something to his players, uh, but w- will Wally just go into it, try to keep the guys healthy for the playoff game in Hamilton?
1: Uh, if he, do, I don't like it when teams do that. I'd rather you know, guys get their normal reps, go through a normal routine. Um, we've we've seen it with teams. Uh, you know, namely the fir- the team that is going to be playing for first place next week, rest guys late in the year and come playoff time or come Grey Cup time, they are not they are not uh, fire on all cylinders. So if I'm if I'm Wally Bono, I am playing it like a normal game that you need to win. Uh, I'd rather go out uh, to Hamilton on a bit of a win streak, you know, especially after getting manhandled by Saskatchewan like he did. Uh, you know, go home. Get the job done. Uh, get this team's confidence back and go out east. So that, that's what I would do. I, I do. I do understand the argument for trying to keep guys healthy, uh, but with he's got Sutton, Jeremiah Johnson, and Chris Rainey at his disposal, uh, you can probably figure out a running game between those three, and then uh, you know you can limit snaps for for players. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't take them out of the lineup entirely. And you know what? Kind of the
0: same thinking as Hamilton, Uh, the way that the Lions offense struggled against Saskatchewan, maybe they're Mm -hmm. going to want to try and get him going against Calgary at home uh, to kind of get on a a little bit of a roll heading into the playoffs.
1: Speaking of this, I got got something. I got something about struggling offenses before we go to the next game. What do you got? Do you know who the leading quarterback was for fantasy points in that Saskatchewan-BC game? Oh, was it Jonathan Jennings? <laughs> <laughs> he had 2.7. So Zach Kolaros, Brandon Bridge, Travis Hulley, Jonathan Jennings combined for 13.5 fantasy points. Oh. <laughs> Cody Fajardo had 6.6. No. Yes. <laughs> Cody Fajardo had a rushing touchdown. It, this game, this game was it really showcased the quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, it's just unbelievable that the Riders put up thirty-five and the offense did zero. It, it,
1: it's that's been the theme of the year.
0: It has been. It has been. I, I don't know if they can do it in the playoffs, though. I, uh, I really don't know if they can do it two more times, um, or three. Uh, Montreal beats Toronto 40 to 10 to wrap up, uh, Montreal season at home. And I think the bigger story in this game is almost, you know, what has happened off the field. So before the game leading up to this game, there was a report coming out that the entire locker room hates Johnny Manziel and all this and all that. And you know what? The game started and Montreal looked like more of a team than we had seen them look for a few years. Uh, William Mm -hmm. Stambeck scores a nice touchdown in the first half. You know what? They've. I think they've got two good running backs there. Lawrence Pittman had six carries for 60 yards. William Stanback, nine carries for 60 yards. And he also had two catches for 52 yards and two touchdowns. So they, they've got some good young running backs there. And I don't think the Sutton trade really sets the Owls back uh, at all, really.
1: But Makes them play- younger and it saves them money. That, that's going to be huge going forward if they want to um, uh, improve, especially through free agency. Late in the second
0: quarter, Manziel ends up, I don't know. It was kind of a weird play, a bit of a breakdown there in the pocket. And I think it was an incomplete pass. And then Mm. it looked like Manziel said something to his left tackle, Tony Washington.
1: Oh, my favorite lineman.
0: It set Washington off. And it looked like Mm -hmm. he wanted to just strangle Manziel. And... I mean, there were people coming out saying, hey, there's no issues in this locker room. Um, Manziel is going out and saying that there's not a guy in that locker room that I wouldn't call my friend. I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. (laughs) It's not all roses. And on the other side, it's not, you know, complete chaos, but... Then mm-hmm. we saw Washington go off on Manziel a little bit, and there was some pushing and shoving. He was trying to get at Manziel on the sideline, but it went from one extreme to the other. This Alouette's team looked like they were just having a blast out there. Eugene Lewis had himself a 61-yard touchdown pass to George Johnson, and yes, Eugene Lewis is a receiver. <laughs> like, they, they just pulled he was out the all best the stops. quarterback. He was the best quarterback they had today. <laughs> <laughs> so he just pulled out all the stops, uh, or the Owls did, for this game uh, to let the fans go home happy here. But <laughs> and, and then the news comes out before the game that the Owls sign two of their quarterbacks to two-year extensions, Vernon Adams, Antonio Pipkin, and Jeff Matthews to a one-year extension. Mm-hmm. So they could possibly... <laughs> I don't get really what's going on there. So I don't think anybody does. So they come out for the second half, and Manziel's nowhere to be seen. They go with Antonio Pipkin. And, I mean, I get trying to get guys reps, but I really thought they would have stuck with Manziel the entire game. I found that quite puzzling.
1: So if Manziel is your quarterback going forward... And he's already had limited snaps this year. There is no reason to take him out of this football game. He needs no. all the reps he can. He needs all the reps he can get. I I, I don't get it. Um, you know, if you have a starter, like, and and or not even he doesn't even necessarily have to be a starter. You want to know what you have, and, and you know to get him. The more experience he gets, the the better off you'll be. And he's going to get to go through a full training camp with this team next year. It, it just makes zero sense why you would take him out of this football game unless unless something else happened that we don't know about or aren't privy to um but like you you were saying with with him and Washington getting into it if you watch that play Washington got absolutely walked by by the defensive end and I, I don't know if that's on him or if there was a missed protection call because you can see the center talking to him and stuff like that. So maybe it was a bit of a communication breakdown, like you said. But, you know, 15 minutes later, they're best friends. Again, it seemed like on the sidelines they were, you know, laughing and smiling and patting each other on the back. So I, I think I think that's kind of a, a moot point now. But the whole thing of Manziel getting pulled out of this game, I mean – Look at it baseball-wise, I I guess Pipkin comes in out of the bullpen and and secures the win for Manziel because he's the one that's going to get credit for this.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, As far as Toronto goes, Levi Noel at 106 yards. um, They really didn't get uh, much going at all here. Um, So I, I guess we stay with Montreal. They looked like they were just having a blast on the sideline there. And I think it does need to be said. John John Bowman was out there playing like a warrior. He ended up getting a sack. He had a fumble recovery for a touchdown. It's his last game ever in Montreal. Two. Oh, he had two fumble recoveries.
1: (laughs) He's only 98% sure. Maybe there's
0: a two percent chance that he crazy. comes back next season, but he's got over 125 sacks, over 400 tackles. He's got two Grey Cups, one of the greatest defensive linemen ever to play in the CFL. And you know what? It was it was a nice way for him to go out. Mm. And Percival Molson, I thought.
1: Uh, it's it's the perfect send off. Right, he gets the touchdown, uh, and it's a guy that is, has been there his whole career. Has been through the ups and downs of this team. Uh, plays the game like the way you would want. Him. Like he plays every down uh, like it matters. You don't see him take yeah. anything off. Any plays off. Uh, he's, it sounds terrible. He plays he, he plays the game the way that you want him to play it. The way that it's supposed to be played, uh, which, which is awesome. And, and to be there for as long as he has, and and you know for only one team is just an amazing feat.
0: He sure looked like he enjoyed uh, Woody Barron's book
1: on the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> they all did it seemed. There was like it was like something shiny. Ooh. They they were like it was like a moth to a, to a flame. <laughs> Everybody was huddled around that a thing after song. every play. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, great way to sell the book, man. Uh, I, I like yeah. that side hustle that Woody's got going on there. <laughs> now I mean, in meetings this week, Mike Sherman says he plans to be back next year. It Looks like Cavis is going to be back next year. They going to go into next season with Mike Sherman,
1: Cavis Reed. Um, I, I guess I I wouldn't want Mike Sherman running my team. <laughs> uh, it looks like he literally has. Hey, they put up forty no, I, points here. <laughs> yeah, that's great. He still literally looks like he has no idea what's going on on the sidelines. Like he no does. idea. <laughs> he looks like like you know when you're oh. when you when you like when you FaceTime or something with your parents or your grandparents and all you see is the top of their head cuz they can't figure out the camera on the laptop. That's what Mike Sherman looks like to me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh that that's that's accurate you can't uh, you can't dispute that I mean we haven't seen another microphone incident but oh my god don't get me started you know what how bad are the Saskatchewan rough riders kicking themselves for losing to this team in July they would be first place right now and you know what the sweep to Ottawa hurts as well. Yeah. Ottawa swept the Riders and they split with Montreal. That's and
1: big. That's why I hate people who say that. Like, you see it all the time in hockey. Like these these two points tonight are huge, blah blah. And then you'll see somebody. It's October. It's like, well, no, the two points in October is still the same as two points in April. Uh, you know, and it's the same in football. Yeah. You know, th- those two points, <laughs> those two points on August long weekend uh, would have been real nice to have. Uh, before, or was it August long? I know it was a long weekend. Uh, they would have been really nice to have. It was uh, or was it July Canada long? Canada Day, I think. It was Canada Day weekend. weekend. Uh, yeah, they, those two points would have been really nice. Those those two points would have been really nice to have right now because they would be cooled off, sitting, waiting for for a, a team to play in the West Final. Six points they really so missed we out sit
0: on. here. we sit here at the end of the season, the Riders 7-3. and three. Inside the division, the mm-hmm. Calgary Stampeders, four and five.
1: Yeah, this is a bizarre world.
0: <laughs> it is completely, completely wacky. Uh, we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Check out the Undad Podcast, a podcast about family and how you are formed by your environment, hosted by performer and dad. Trent Wilkie, I found a dad for you, Ty.
1: (laughs) If you're shaped by your environment, then everything is starting to make a lot more sense for me. (laughs) Check out the Undead podcast
0: as a part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Alberta Podcast Network.com. You can also uh, get your tickets for Two and Out Live. I mean, uh, Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, really big and helping us get this together. November 22nd at the Grey Cup in Edmonton. Uh, Two and Out Live. Eventbrite.ca, raising money for CFL fans fight cancer. All right, uh, it's going to be a bit of uh, a wash. This week, but it's the final week of fantasy. It's the final week of the season. Only one of the games matters, but we will be here on Thursday talking about that. And then next week, it is the playoffs. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I cannot wait for those to get underway. Brazilian tie. We'll talk to you Thursday, all right? Sounds good, buddy. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, and we shall talk to you then. Thanks for listening.
1: Find more great shows like this at CFPod Network on Twitter.